Today's Divided We Stand intro is being broken down into four very easy-to-follow categories. Hmm. The first category will feature us not telling you information that would overload your sensitive snowflake ears. That might be my favorite. We're good like that. You'll just need to trust us. Next up, you'll have to consider whether Trump is the greatest president in the history of mankind or simply just in the top five. Ooh, <laughs> tough. Third, we'll pause and give you the opportunity to ask a question to your speakers. Because after all, we're all about full transparency. It's important. Go ahead. Ask it. We'll wait. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Doesn't that feel better? Uh. Fourth, and only if absolutely necessary, we'll drown you out and talk about the southern border crisis. Oh, Build that wall. Illegals. MS-13. Oh, I'm mad. Drugs. Thanks for playing Roll Open. Clovercrest Media proudly presents Divided We Stand. Divided We Proudly Stand. We're going to have a little fun tonight. We're going to talk about some terrible things. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. You're fired. Starring Joe Aguirre, Brian Forster, and Eric Farron. Very fine people on both sides. I didn't come along and divide this country. I think it's a disgrace. I stand here ready to work with you. Let me talk. Quiet. And we will make America great again. Divided. We stand not as two parties, but as one nation. Attorney General William Barr is definitely being thorough in his dismantling of the Mueller report. Oh. When his redacted <laughs> version is released, it's likely to resemble something between a paint-by-numbers book and a signed Donald Trump portrait giving you the one-finger salute. <laughs> now, is that also painted? Or I, I don't know. We'll figure that. <laughs> so you're not, you're not suggesting, though, that spying occurred? I don't. Uh, well, uh, I guess you could. I, I think there was a spying did occur. Yes, I think spying did occur. I supported the confirmation of Anthony Barr. He's done the job before. And redactions, they suck. There's no way around it. They just do. And I'm being honest. I I know the optics are bad. I just think that they're necessary. Come on. That's like going to a live show and rooting for the curtain. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just I'm just saying it's tough to know what should and shouldn't be released. Especially when my security clearance is only slightly less than Jared's. <laughs> we know it's gonna be redacted, so I don't really have an issue with it as long as it's not back to four pages. We've been waiting for two years. To find out what's in this thing, just give it to us already. You know what we can all agree on, and that's like what science is. Yes. It's not, it shouldn't even be up for debate. Right. And shame on you, 4th District of Kentucky. <laughs> but congrats to this week's Covington High School Most Punchable Face Award winner, the United States Congressman Thomas Massey. Isn't it true you have a science degree from Yale? What's that? Bachelor of Arts degree. Is it a political science degree? Yes, political science. So how do you get My a regret. Bachelor of Arts in a science? Well, it's liberal arts education and degree. It's a bachelor. Okay, so it's not really science. So I think it's somewhat appropriate that somebody with a pseudoscience degree is here pushing pseudoscience in front of our committee today. I want to ask you. Are you serious? I mean, this I, is really a serious me, happening here. You know what? 
it is, it is serious you're calling the president's cabinet a kangaroo court. Is that serious? I'm not calling his cabinet a kangaroo court. I'm calling this committee that he's putting together a kangaroo committee. What, are you saying that he doesn't have educated adults there now? I don't know who it has yet because it's secret. Well, you said it in your testimony. Why would he have to have a secret analysis of climate change? Let me ask Why you. Why does the president ask, let's need get back to keep to the it science secret? Of it. Let's get back to the science of it. But it's not science. You're not quoting science. I, I, well, you're the science expert. You got the political science degree. Did you know Massey graduated from MIT with a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering? I would have never guessed. And what? a Master of Science in Mechanical Engineering. Yeah. So um, he's a scientist. Yes. Ever since he got elected to the House in 2012, though, for some reason, this guy's been attacking the environment like he's auditioning for a role in Fern Gully 2. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to VHS. <laughs> he tweeted in 2013 that today's science committee hearing on global warming canceled due to snow. <sighs> he wants to get rid of the EPA. He's also been reelected to his seat three times with over 62% of the vote each time. So, come on, Kentucky. I hate, I hate everyone who says, <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's getting warmer? How could it be possible? Because it snows. It's just like, you're, you're dumb. You're dumb. And my understanding of Massey is he's basically like Rand Paul, just a slightly better neighbor. <laughs> We've got more than just a Mueller report being swept under the rug and Southern science charm. It's finally time for Julian Assange's late checkout from the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Housekeeping? We don't have <laughs> we don't have access to a crystal ball, but when your preliminary defense team consists of Vladimir Putin and Pamela Anderson, well, it's probably safe to assume it's an uphill battle to build consensus in your favor. I'm not sure you're considering the movie Barbed Wire. Owned it on VHS, sir. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're making his point. We'll also be talking to Weathersfield State Rep Russ Moran to get his thoughts on the union strike at Stop and Shop and get an update on the toll plans. It's all coming up on this week's Divided We Stand. So a new survey by the nonpartisan Pew Research Center revealed that nearly 6 in 10 Americans believe race relations in this country are bad. I'm not sure what the other four people are seeing. Uh, 56% think Donald Trump has made them worse. Uh, the study supports critics' belief, of course, that Trump's stance on matters of race, uh, whether it's his reluctance to call out Nazis or his rhetoric tinged with discriminatory statements, is emboldened bigots and made life harder for non-whites. Agreed? Uh, uh, so uh, agreed that Trump has... Fueled racism? Yes. I, I have an Hate issue. crimes are up, too. I should mention that, according to the FBI. I have an issue when, and you hear, you hear it, I feel like Trump supporters say, oh, well, Obama inflamed race relations. If six out of ten people feel like racism is, is getting worse, then, like, the other four just aren't really listening. How, how, can, you not, how can you not say that? Eric Farron has <sighs> some interesting thoughts on race, and I'm going to force you to share them right now. <laughs> These are my favorite. Well, so, <laughs> I read this, and I can get down with these numbers if they're asking people, but this, again, is a poll asking very specific things, and for me, I don't know, I kind of like to look at things kind of anecdotally, and yes, I, I mean, I don't live in the most diverse community, but 
I see things. There are more than just white people where I live, and I don't think in the real world outside of polls and what people can ask questions about relating to Donald Trump or whatever other relationships we have as far as what we're seeing, what we're hearing, I think people get along okay. You're of the mindset, Eric, and, and if I'm wrong, correct me here, but you believe that under United States law, all things considered, everyone's equal in this country. Everyone's think, got a fair shake. I wouldn't say everyone's got a fair shake. Everyone's got to start somewhere, and it's not always at the same starting line. I, would, I fully admit that. But I think there are certain cases where you have to be able to just kind of do things for yourself to get along. You can't. It's not always going to be related to something that someone can come in and fix for you. Fair. I, I, I see your point. Uh, Two-thirds of the respondents in this poll said it's more common for people with racist or racially insensitive views to express themselves than it was before Trump was in office. 45% say it's become more acceptable to ex espouse your uh, racist views in public now. Like, it, it's okay because Trump does it. Is that Trump? It, I, I mean, I don't think he helps. I don't think Trump helps, but I think social media has a lot to do with the crazy people can find each other more more easily and and racism it, it's it's out there it's definitely better now than it was in 1964 but it exists and for people to say oh it's over then that's 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 ignorant well great news that they've finally taken the water hoses away they've eliminated that part of racism so that's good and we can all sit at the same lunch counter so i suppose another step in the right direction but we are more aware of racism in this country. Uh, I remember just a few years ago uh, when when this all sort of first started, I thought to myself that racism was a small problem in this country. And I thought, you know, if you're being racist at your house, hey, that's your business. It's a free country to see that it's not a small percentage of people. And again, I. I, I and I may have done this in the past, and, and I'd like to be very clear in this. I don't believe that all Trump supporters are racists. Nor do I. I may no, I have said either. things uh, alluding to that, but I, I know that that's not true. And I don't want to paint a broad brush on people because that's not fair as well. And that, and that upsets people. There's good people on both sides is what you're saying. But there's not. <laughs> yeah, it depends on which sides you're talking about right. specifically. But no, I don't think most Trump supporters are racist. I think they like the brash style. I think they're as embarrassed at times by the things he says as everybody else is. But I hear a lot of people talk about, well, remember uh, Ferguson and all the things that Barack Obama said? Look up what Barack Obama said. He and Eric Holder spent two days crafting a statement, and it basically was to tell the people protesting in Ferguson to go home, to cut the bull, and to vote in the next election if you want to make a difference. So I don't know it's fair to say that Barack Obama was stoking the flames. I think I think having a black president is what caused it. I don't think it was because it could have been any black guy. Any black guy in office, I think you were going to get that sort of backlash because there is an element of this country that is racist and and had a problem with it. And you hear a lot of people refer to you want to talk about class I've heard a lot of people, nice to see class back in the White House. If you think that the Trumps are Who's classier than the Obamas, you yeah. don't know what class You've is. You've got a skewed view of what class is, if that's... I hear that argument made a lot on the right. And again, I've distanced myself from a lot of that because that, to me, seems to be steeped in racism right there. You've got about as much idea of what class is as what uh, Thomas Massey thinks science is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, on the subject of racism, I've heard some people uh, sort of lob this accusation out uh, in regards to freshman Democratic Congresswoman uh, Elon Omar. Um, her buddies, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, have jumped to her defense. Uh, she made some comments about 9-11 that were taken out of context. Oh, and I can agree with that. Listen, I'm I'm not going to defend what she said because it was it was stupid. In context, it was questionable. Out of context, it sounds horrible. Okay, uh, uh, AOC and Texas Rep Dan Crenshaw had a, a back and forth on Twitter. Dan Crenshaw, he's he's the guy with Pete Davidson who who, yes. uh, who lost yes. an eye serving. Yes, his, yeah. So we won't even make jokes because we know how that would turn out. Um. <laughs> But he's a smart guy. Dan Crenshaw's a smart guy. But, and, and this is a growing problem on the Republican side, he's trying to stoke the flames to suggest that a Muslim woman was dismissive of 9-11 certainly stokes fear and anger in, in your constituents. And, and it's a dirty thing to do to a fellow freshman congressperson. Here's the actual quote. Can I, can I share this? Yes. So she was talking about care. Uh, which is a, a Muslim organization, and here's the quote. C-A-I-R. Correct. Care. Yes. Care was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. She said that at the event, and she wasn't wrong. There's a, there's a lot of people in this country who see a Muslim person and they think terrorist. That's... Racism isn't a word because Muslims aren't a race. Stereotyping and profiling. It's right. a bigoted viewpoint of, of Muslims because some people did something. And what she's doing there is distancing all Muslims from the 9-11 hijackers. Every single time there's a mass shooting in this country, conservatives are always quick to distance that person from the NRA and, and from their organizations. But again, we want to just lump 19 hijackers with a religion of billions of people. Not fair. How you said it when I first heard the audio of it, because, you know, the first thing I see is the headline. Of course, she said some people did something and you're like, oh, my God, that horrible, was a horrible thing to say. But that you go back and you actually look it up like, you know, most people should do and go hear it for yourself. When she says it, I'm like, oh, OK, so she, exactly what you just said. She's just a saying that. Not all of Islam is what these people did. And that was it. But Eric, she said it while wearing traditional Muslim know, uh, headwear. Uh, it's stoking fear. It's stoking fear. So again, and I don't want to try to put this all on Donald Trump, but he is the leader of the country. And, and he's our president. Whether you want him to be or not, he's our guy. Donald Trump weighed in. He tweeted video that was edited suggesting that Omar was being dismissive of the 9-11 attacks. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi called him out. Is that between Biden videos? <laughs> yeah, he was able to squeeze in an anti-Muslim video, if you can believe that. Uh, Pelosi said it's wrong for the president as commander-in-chief to fan the flames to make anyone feel less safe in this country. Donald Trump should step up and clear the air on this. It's a t Obviously, with the Muslim ban, we, we already know how this guy feels about Muslim people. And to perpetuate this myth anymore... Again, if Donald Trump is curious how he's going to get more than a 35, 40 percent approval rate, it's going to come 
in moments like this. Doesn't Rasmussen have him at over 50%? Rasmussen probably has him at 80%. <laughs> That's fine. I think Rasmussen and Obama also... at this time last year yeah, was, was at 50%. Negative four. So, right, right, yeah, right. I mean, Rasmussen is... He, they consistently had the poll numbers good. Either Rasmussen is the only accurate poll... Or they're way off because everyone else has them in the in the mid to low thirties. Did you say you were waiting for Donald Trump to come out and clear the air though? That's I'm how not. you get the best people. Like yeah. that's not what he's gonna do. That's, he hasn't no, done I that know ever. he's not going to do that, and that's everything that's wrong. People are you're they're like you're anti Trump. I like Donald Trump. I've been a fan of Donald Trump my entire life. I don't like Donald Trump the president because of stuff like this. He's tweeting to his fan base. Things that are not true. Edited video misrepresenting this situation. Everybody in this country, white, black, American, immigrant, whatever you might be, Christian, Jew, Muslim, nobody feels good about 9-11. Nobody's happy about 9-11. There weren't Muslims in New Jersey celebrating 9-11. It's just not true. And our president has gone out of his way to spread these lies repeatedly. Here's a chance for him. People still fall for them. They do. But again, if he wants to be a real president, if he wants to be the president of the entire United States, this is an opportunity to to show what leadership is. You can clear the air, still say what she said was stupid. It was taken out of context. She was being dismissive of 9-11, but again, in context, you understand what she was getting at. He could say that and still call her garbage and still say the Democrats suck. That's okay. I thought her point was more, how do we look at terrorists? How are we looking at them? You lump all Muslims into terrorists. Obviously, that's such a small percentage of people who are terrorists. Why don't we look at, you know, guys like Stephen Paddock? Why don't we look at guys like that as terrorists when, you know, oh, then it becomes a mental health issue or, or the Parkland shooter. Oh, it becomes a mental health issue. I mean, we can have that conversation for days. But I think there's also, like you're saying, though, we, we I think there are people that try to have that conversation and still get called racist for and it. And people freak out and about people it. Fl- I mean, it's it's pretty famous at this point. The, the segment on uh, Bill Maher's show where he had... Ben Affleck on there, and he was with his guest. I forget the guest at, at the time, but they were speaking on that, that not all the Muslims are terrorists, and we have to deal with the ones that are. That's the situation, and Ben Affleck went off saying, you can't say that about a whole group of people. I'm like We're not saying that about the whole group of people. We're talking about this specific section of people, but you can't even get to that part of the argument anymore without being called racist. And that's unfortunate, and 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 it's certainly in the last couple of years. I think that kind of thing has spiraled out of control, and that's kind of my bigger point to all this. Is look, we know there's racist people in this country. I think it's the responsibility of each party that when these sorts of things happen, that that leadership needs to step up and clear the air. I don't expect Donald Trump's going to do that, Brian. I I know better because I've seen it. But again, if this guy, it, it, it if he truly intended to be. A, a, a good president, this would be an opportunity and a moment where th- this that was one of the worst things, literally in the top three worst things that ever happened in this country. Arguably, he intends to be the greatest president that the history of the country has ever seen. And this is an opportunity for him to to live up to that. And again, he chooses to to retweet nonsense. It may not be that profitable for him, though, so <laughs> not sure. 
that's not helping. See what I'm saying? Uh, again, I, I, I question his motives. I like Donald Trump, the businessman. I like Donald Trump, the person. I like Donald Trump, the reality show star. Donald Trump, the president, is not cutting it. it it's as simple as that for me. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get that from him. He swings and misses on that all the time. He's a perfect opportunity to step up and be presidential. And he's not doing it. And at this point, we got to stop thinking that he's going to be presidential. His supporters don't care. They they don't care that he's not presidential. That's what they like about him. But everybody else hates it. And when you're trying to make up the 65% of people who don't support you, I think leadership is the way to go. Speaking of leadership, we have the deputy speaker of the Connecticut State Legislature, Russ Morin, who proudly serves the district of Wethersfield, where I live. Russ is our local guest. We're going to talk about this strike at Stop and Shop, uh, tolls here in Connecticut, and so much more coming up next. Stop and Shop workers have walked off the job in a fight for their benefits after failing to reach a contract agreement. The United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, UFCW, says that the locals 371 and 919 are protesting unfair wages and high health premiums. Uh, it all started with the, uh, over the years, the company just continually cutting our contracts. They, we lose on every contract, we lose something. I really, uh, I didn't think it was going to happen at first, but uh, after thing was happening with negotiations I knew that the company they, they've got an agenda and they're gonna get it eventually just for the time being don't shop and stop and shop just help support the people that are out here there's plenty of options out there this company's grown tremendously all holds a huge company they don't need your help right now it's basically about our wages and our benefits being sliced in half um, I really hope it doesn't go for long. Hopefully the union can go back to the table with corporate and have some good benefits come our way, honestly. Stop and Shop says they've proposed a plan that includes across-the-board raises in health and pension benefit, but the union disagrees, saying raises would be eaten up by higher health care costs. There was a lot of negotiating going back and forth. It's been going on for at least a month. Um, we don't want it to go on any longer because we have to get paid ourselves and we also have mortgages, car payments and whatnot. So it's just one of those things where neither one of us want this. Uh, but again, we're just trying to get what's fair for us. According to UFCW, Stop and Shop's parent company saw over $2 billion in profit last year and got a U.S. tax cut of $225 million in 2017. They say that the company is claiming the proposed cuts are necessary, but is refusing to provide financial information to verify that claim. This week's guest is State Representative and Deputy Speaker Russ Morin, who proudly serves the Wethersfield District and is my personal state rep. Russ, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Now, uh, big story here in Connecticut. I think everybody's aware of this. I saw you were down there meeting with uh, the fine folks at Stop and Shop. I'm a big supporter of both unions and particularly Stop and Shop. I carry my stop and shop card with me because I'm there four to five times per week. <laughs> Usually one big shop. There's the follow up to whatever I missed. And then there's the other things I pick up during the week. I've gotten to know a lot of these people at my local stop and shop. I'm glad you were out there showing their support. Um, couldn't come to a contract agreement with the union. The company that owns stop and shop, 
made $2 billion in profit last year and got a $225 million tax cut in 2017, thanks to the Republican legislature, uh, but doesn't don't, doesn't want to share it with the workers is sort of the impression I'm getting. You were down there. You talked to people. Maybe you could sort of let us know what's going on and, and why are we where we're at? Well, yeah, Joe, and thank you, first of all, for having me on. And, you know, these these people are, are just great people, right? Like Like you. I probably spend an inordinate amount of time. I mean, my social life consists of Sundays at Stop and Shop. I'm actually here talking to you instead of uh, grocery shopping. So thank you for that as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, when you look at things, and, and everyone, the grocers will always tell you there's such a tight margin. But then we also saw the profits uh, that the parent company is making. And, you know, negotiations are off, often a, a two-way street. And we all understand that. But some of the things they're asking of these workers who aren't making a ton of money, but they're really going after their health insurance premiums, jumping those up, cutting health insurance for their families, taking workers that have worked there for 20, 30 years and telling them instead of getting the four weeks of vacation you're getting, now you're going to get two. And then, and then, oh, but by the way, they say the company will say they're giving them raises, but they're not. They're giving them bonuses. So yes, it's more money in your pocket, but it never adds to what your annual salary or hourly salary would be. And, and like you, I know a lot of these people and, and it just, it breaks your heart to, uh, to see them really having to scrap like they are, uh, for, for an existence that, that doesn't probably afford them a, a whole lot. Um, I understand they are negotiating uh, again. They started uh, last night and supposedly going back today, they have a federal mediator. So I sure hope they, uh, they, they come up with a, a fair, a fair contract for these people. One of the stupid arguments I've seen people make is is if the company, the parent company, folds and they meet these demands, that milk's going to be $10 a gallon. Now, you're a smart guy, Russ. Well, thank you. <laughs> if you could help me sort of explain to people what supply and demand is, and that that, that is a ridiculous and, and nonsensical response to people just wanting basic health care and to keep... The vacation days they've already earned. Yeah, and and that that's that's kind of comical because uh, I won't go to stop and shop now as long as the workers are on strike. So we went to a competitor uh, yesterday, and I was looking, and they're not a union shop, and their stuff was for the most part higher priced. Yeah, do they and have robots too or no? There were I did not see a robot. I would probably freak out. I, that thing just weirds me out. I really don't like the self checkout, but I really not comfortable with the thing working through the Marty class. is that his name his name is Marty and the first time <laughs> I, my son's three years old my son saw Marty screamed it's a robot and took off down one of the aisles I've got great video of it uh he didn't like it nah, I'm not crazy about it myself. and I don't work there I don't want to bag my own groceries what what is that yeah you know I I still can't understand it's it's really brilliance on their part right they they charge you for your groceries and then you scan them yourself and bag them yeah I don't get it. I worked at a grocery store too, and and the biggest loss in a grocery store is is shrink. It's people not ringing things up, and you would think that having the customers ringing themselves up that would increase. It seems counterintuitive to, yeah. yeah I don't know. I've I've never understood that. Yeah. So you know, it's it's typical. I, I guess as we talk about, and and I those of people that know who I am, I I tend to stand on the side of working people. I get it. People need to. I I applaud people that own businesses and 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 make money and and put themselves out there. I'm not saying that, but on the flip side, the typically the people that get you to where you are are the workers that work for you. And I think just if you treat them fairly, it comes right back at you. 
I think when people take pride in their work and they have that sense of security, they know that that they can go to the hospital, they can go see a doctor or a loved one in the family also has medical benefits. It, it makes for a better worker because they're able to focus on the work. And you're right. You do see more work and, and you are maybe more than anybody up in Hartford. The guy who's most got your eye out for the working man, and, and we all appreciate that. It, it's true. I mean, you're you're kind of making a face, but it's true. And and I think uh, you got to give credit where credit is due. That's kind of your thing. Well, that's what the people that don't like me always throw out as well. You know that that this is consistent. Yes, it, it is. One of the other things I've been absolutely stunned by on social media is if I've seen this, especially from people who worked at Stop and Shop 10, 20 years ago when they when they were younger. Uh, I remember growing up, I had buddies that work at Stop and Shop, and they used to complain about having to kick into the union. And I, you know, you look at sort of the 70s and 80s, Jimmy Hoffa and kind of that era, there was a lot of corruption in unions. Yeah. But there's a reason we have 40-hour weeks and eight-hour yeah. days and why we don't have to work when we're nine. And it's all because <laughs> of unions. And, and it stuns me that people are so worried. Middle-class Americans seem to be so worried about stockholders and corporations getting their I don't understand. If if Stop and Shop's parent company caves, those guys are still going to be all right. Those billionaires that yes. are, they're they're not going to be in the poorhouse, right? Yeah, they're do, they're doing just fine. And 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 it's funny. I think you brought up a good point. Younger people today, especially younger people, really don't understand what what the unions are about. Um, they don't understand the fight that many people before them have have gone through to get where we are. Whether it's you know, paid holidays, some sick time, some vacation time, uh, annual increments, uh, maybe extra pay on a holiday. All those things that people, I, I always enjoy when people bash unions and then they, they complain, you know, at their jobs that their their pensions are getting cut. I mean, that's that's what really, if you do what I do for work and, and you go out and you listen to people talk, on one hand, they're decrying everything that the unions have gotten for their employees and they're upset because their private employer has just taken and taken and taken and taken from them to the point where they're just so bitter instead of everybody trying to push and say, listen, we have to, we, you know, it's, it's this country. We shouldn't have seniors worrying about whether they're getting their meds or food. We shouldn't worry when, when you retire, none of us are going to retire. If you're a public sector employee or a regular working Joe, right? You're not retiring in, in a lap of luxury. You just want to be able to have some dignity, be able to do the things you want to do with your family, but just pay your bills. And today that's like a bad thing. People, people hammer you for that. It's, it really, it, it stuns me. You know, again, the whole fight for 15, I've seen so many people come out against that and Again, just basic economics here. If McDonald's starts paying $15 an hour and EMTs are getting $15 an hour, it's going to force EMT companies to pay more mm -hmm. because they're going to want to keep those people. So there's going to be a bump in pay there. Now the EMTs get more money. So now nurses are going to be like, wait a minute, shouldn't we get? And everyone's going to see a bump. It would benefit everybody. And again, the corporations making record profits in this country. They're going to be fine. So it's complete free market is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that, the, the $15 an hour thing is a, really a fascinating um, discussion because I, I use this analogy a lot in everything I do. Nothing is as difficult as we make it, but it's nowhere is anything as easy as people on the outside say it should be either. And, and looking at the $15 uh, minimum wage, I think we're going to see that 
happen in a, in a more staggered way. You know, um, maybe a dollar a year, a dollar and a quarter a year till we get up to that rate because the business community is coming pretty heavily at us saying, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, in our in our beautiful town, I might go and have uh, breakfast somewhere. I can guarantee you the owner of that place is giving me a, a ration all the time. How can you do that? I, I bring these people in and they don't know anything. I have to show them anything and you want me to pay them 15 bucks an hour. And usually I'll just say, but I'm spending money in your restaurant right now. You could at least talk to me off yeah. and not give me the agita, you know, you know, but, but that, but because when you do what I do, it's part of my job to be accessible and talking to people. So I get it. But you, you know, people are having a hard time understanding that the same people that decry public services, whether it's be welfare, food stamps, whatever the public service is to help people. And they, and they, dec- they blame poor people. These same poor people that are making 10 bucks an hour that work two or three jobs working at a nursing home taking care of our grandparents or doing a Dunkin' Donuts job and a Burger King job, well, how the heck do you expect them to make it? You have to – it's just – the one argument that I get is for the 16-year-old that's coming out, and I kind of get it in my mind. What do you do with that? Um, You know, I, I could see, you know, Russ or Joe going to get a job and – yeah, okay, that person is is a little more experienced. But even there, in the labor laws, and I don't think anybody knows this or talks about it, you can actually, up until, I want to say, 240 hours of work, you can pay somebody less than the minimum wage until they're proficient. Oh. That's in the law. So let's roll that in. Let's, yeah, I mean, but it's already there. But nobody right. nobody well, knows about it. people more aware of right. that. Because, look, and I, and I get that, and that's maybe the best argument you can make is why should some 16-year-old kid with no experience mm-hmm. get as much? Again, my whole thought is, and again, I'm a small business owner. I, I own a media company, mm-hmm. and I got to pay people. Yes. And, 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 you know, nobody wants to overpay your employees, but I find that when people are, are getting paid what they're worth, that the work performance is better. Can we talk about specific businesses, or you prefer not to do that? We can talk about because there's a guy. I, have you ever heard of Bears uh, Smokehouse? Oh, yeah. I love yeah. Jamie McDonald. Okay, Great guy. that guy pays his employees fifteen dollars an hour to start, and he hires people that are coming out of the prison system, and he gives people that second chance that everybody talks about wanting to give people second chances, he does but, it. but they really don't want to do it. And his his story, and if you talk to him, I've had the opportunity. He says his turnover is virtually non-existent. I mean, there's some, but because he pays them a fair wage, they appreciate that they're being treated like human beings. The people that are coming out of prison that have no opportunity to get a job are, are employed and doing well. I mean, he's the working model right there. He's got a lot of great ideas in addition to yes. wrapping bacon around meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's putting his money where Excuse his mouth me. is. Yes. And, and his and his food is... And is we're putting food. our mouths around yes. the things that <laughs> he produces because we go there all the time. I, I've talked to Jamie about yeah. that before. I think what he does is absolutely brilliant. And again, if I'm making 10 10 an hour, my attendance record might be spotty. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm making 15 with the chance that I'm going to start, you know, maybe next year at 16, yeah. 17, that, that, that there's opportunity to grow. Yeah. That's something I feel good about. That's something I'm proud to do every day, knowing that I'm going to make that. I, it's more incentive get, to get up and to do a great job. And when you go to Bears, it's reflected mm. in not only the great food, but the outstanding service. Well, like you were saying earlier, you know, as it goes up, it rises the wages of other people. So I work in Massachusetts every year for the last, I think, three years so far. It's gone up at least a dollar, the minimum wage. I think it was 12 in January. 
and the company that I work in had to make adjustments mm-hmm. for everyone that they brought up to 12 to the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. But the people that were working close to it got a little bump, too. So they're not making more and they're happier. And so, the company stayed in business. And the company's still in business. Wow. We actually amazing. had a record profit last year. And, and so. that's and that's again, you know, we all we get lobbied really hard in the legislature by the CBIA and and such. And, and that's the thing. People with strong paid lobbies just come in and inundate you. Whereas, you know, the, the working poor, they don't have time to, to be coming up to Capitol and saying, hey, uh, Bozo, would you do something for me here? I'm dying. Yeah. You know, those people are just trying to survive and they're and working. And it's it's up to people like me and others uh, to recognize that and, and do what we can to uh, ensure. And plus, they're consumers. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but when you take people that that are in the lower income brackets, they're not sitting there saying, "I'm taking ten percent and putting it, putting it away towards retirement or my kid's college fund," because they don't have it. I mean, they're they're out there spending their money to make sure that they have food and and things to take care of their family. So now, middle middle people income people here in Connecticut are obviously very concerned. Uh, it's kind of a democratic initiative, but the idea of tolls, not kind of, <laughs> I'm trying to be fair, Russ, cause I like you a lot. You know, I know there's a lot of people and we've had a couple guests on this show who are very anti toll. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, we're not big fans of it. I understand the need for it is okay. how close to reality is it? I know. It, I mean, again, it's not like this is something that's going to happen in a couple months. It's going to no. take years to roll this thing out. What's what's the latest plan and, and what what will you guys do as far as low income people in Connecticut and and for middle income people? Is there going to be I've heard discounts, stuff yes, like that. What of, do we look yes. at? So so it's a, it's a really, really tough topic. Um, people are very passionate for and against. I say this, Joe, I went out uh, this last before the election cycle started in gosh, in August, knocking on doors. I can't tell you how many people told me they supported tolls. Very few people told me they were against it. But now people are the people like anything else. When people don't like something, they really rally and they get aggressive. The rest of the people that that are just happy with what they say you're doing will will don't really say anything to you. I have a guy, a Weathersfield guy, who sends me these horrible emails, tells me what a POS I am and oh honest to gosh. And and he's told me I was a two-faced lion blank and blank and blank. So I my response to him, my first response was, boy, your wife and kids are gonna be proud of this one. But then the second <laughs> the second response I gave him was how can I possibly be two-faced? Because anybody that's ever talked to me or seen anything in the print about me for the last probably three or four years, I've always stated that I am a proponent of tolls. And the reason I'm a proponent for tolls is because our infrastructure is in deep trouble. We have roadways and bridges, not just roadways and bridges, but our, our the, the, the train tracks. They have three bridges in Fairfield County that are over 100 years old. Wow. Over 100 years old. Yeah. Um, and then our, we have over 300 bridges in the state of Connecticut that are deficient. So you say, well, why didn't we just do this or why don't we just do what we're doing and spend a little more? Um, it's almost impossible to catch up. Two projects, 84 stacks, right? You know, 84 and 8 come together. Yep. And then outside, right outside the Capitol building, the 84 viaduct, almost $12 billion wow. just for those two projects. Never mind the other. others. So what you and I guess I, you know me, I go on a tangent. You asked me about low income and medium income. So there is something in place to um, for low income people. Uh, the plan, we there's no, first of all, there's no plan that's 
been defied as of yet. It's still negotiated. We pass concepts out of the transportation committees. There is there is um, a willingness and an understanding that for low income people to get the votes, there's going to have to be something to give low income people uh, a better rate. For somebody like you or any of you guys that might travel and are and are you know, commuters every day, there will be a reduced rate, whether it's something we do um, with the easy pass you get, or uh, we're looking at possibly tax breaks at the end of the year, credits to help people. All those things are in discussion because we understand them. I brought, I brought something, uh, one of, one of the radio stations, which I won't mention because I think the the two morning jocks are the biggest dopes in the world. (laughs) I know Uh, the idiots you're talking about. And I agree. So, so, um, they they put on their Facebook page that there's going to be 89 gantries and you're going to be paying 882 million dollars per person, and and I always and you know because I'm kind of a jerk I'll send them something on their on their page and say guys just tell the truth yeah I get it you don't like it but just put facts down because in today's society we don't need to talk about facts that's that's really not part of the equation anymore because people just want to embellish and say things that aren't true to rile everyone up. I'm glad you brought it up. I was actually going to ask you specifically about that. I've seen I've seen the Republican. I've seen state reps yep. who are Republicans who I like, who I'm friendly with, who have posted that garbage, and I know that stuff's mm-hmm. not true. And, and that's and that's what I've said. And, and a, a guy that used to be the state rep for Newington, he and I would go back and forth on it because so I got along great with him. You know, again, there's no tolls on Route Nine. There's no tolls on Route Two. There's no tools on 395. The, the roads, the Federal Highway Administration determines what we can do. 91, 95, the merit, and 84. And, and what people don't really get is when, when we, the tolls can only be used on the roadways that you're tolling. So, because people say, oh, we don't trust you. We know you're going to collect tolls and then you're going to give it away to those people or you're going to spend it on something else. We can't do that. If we do that, we lose all our federal funding. It, it's just not, it can't happen. Plus we voted for the lockbox for special transportation fund, I think by 92% to eight. So, so you're looking, say on 91 and, and there's a few gantries from 91 and uh, from Enfield down to New Haven. Those monies collected have to be utilized on that corridor. They have to, they can't be used for some roads outside of the area. So to me, I think it's, it, it just makes perfect sense. We have, we have a, you know, here's here's one: New Haven to Hartford, thirty nine miles. The what the DOT has proposed is a toll that would be if you have a Connecticut Easy Pass, one seventy two for that trip. It's not bad. Um, if it's off peak, because we're the, again the whole thing is the the feds will allow it because we're we're gonna we have to use a congestion relief model, okay. which means trying to get people out of their cars. Right, that's the whole goal. So off peak, it would be a dollar thirty six. I get it from people. You're taking, you're adding money to everything, but I, I would say the infrastructure is in such horrible shape. Business, some businesses have said to us, "Listen, if it can ease congestion, if it keeps you know the roadways in good place, because time is money. If people aren't sitting in traffic as long, that's a good thing." And the other argument, Joe, and I, I know you have a question, but the other argument is, I can't believe we're going to have to stop at toll booths. I'm like, <laughs> where the heck is that coming from? Again, I think that's part of the misinformation <laughs> yeah. that some of your colleagues feel the need to share. And yep. and again, as you mentioned, some dopes in the media here in Connecticut want to yep. want to pass false. And I'm, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're able to uh, dispel some of these some of these uh, bad ideas that are that are being floated out there. It, you know, again, yep. I think if people really knew what was happening, 
I think, again, it's part of that whole idea of socialism. It's the same people who don't want to pay higher property taxes for better schools because they don't have a kid in the system Mm -hmm. are the same people who don't want to pay for the highways and the infrastructure because it doesn't really concern them. But we're all in this together, and I think that's what people really need to understand. Everybody's got to pay their way. And let's even tighten it up more because one of the plans that my, my friends on the other side of the aisle, their plan is to bond everything. So they're talking about over the next 20 years bonding 60 billion, okay? Which ultimately ends up costing us about 90, 95 billion because our we have to pay back that debt. They don't give it to us at, it's at just cost, money, right? right? Yeah. Right. So so that could work. But under under what we have now, what we're allowed to bond every year, that would squeeze out everything. Now, Joe, you, you have a kid that's just graduating from high school. You remember a few years ago we did the high school renovation. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if all we bonded now is 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 toll roads or roads, no tolls? We wouldn't have money for bonding of schools. We wouldn't have money for all the things that we do, that we help. Because like the money we give to the towns for Town Aid for Road, that's all bonded monies. Mm-hmm. Brownfield remediation. You know, projects to help the environment, the clean water. You know that the thing, um, being a Weathersfield guy, and I'm sorry to the other guys, but the, the Weathersfield, when we when we got uh, the raw sewage from going into the Weathersfield Cove, yep. there's a cost to that. Lots and lots of millions of dollars because to we we actually had them and we fought like crazy to get the MDC to to completely close their their systems as opposed to having an overflow system. But th- that costs, and and that's part of our society. I think we want. I, I want my kids and your kids and your grandkids mm-hmm. to be able to have clean water, clean air. That that's something that I don't mind spending money on. And I I want clean air as well. I I don't have grandkids, but eventually I'd yeah. like them to you know right. not live in or a somebody else's that, grandkids. Right, right, right. I think the biggest issue though is when we're looking at tolls, and you know originally Governor Lamont said, "Well, we're just going to toll the truckers." And then that started changing into <laughs> we're going to tell everybody. And the lockbox is a great idea, but how do we? How can we make sure that what goes into the lockbox is actually being used? What for? What well, it's for? Well, so by by the statute and by the language of what it is, once once that money goes in there, we absolutely cannot do anything because it was a constitutional amendment. That those things are just like the spending cap we have now. Everybody says if we get all this revenue, more revenue, April fifteenth coming. That we 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 are limited to what we can increase spending on. So, you, you know, the lockbox is put in place. Any monies we put in there have to go towards transportation. And if we do tolls, again, the Federal Highway Administration is telling us what we have to do. So I can't say, holy Toledo boy, we took in way more money in tolls than we want. Uh, let's build a football field. Yeah, so more can't fast track buses might be nice. <laughs> He works in conservative radio, so as you can imagine, poor Brian's coming at you with all sort of misinformation. That's what they're doing over there, and it's un- it's <laughs> that's unfortunate. Not misinformation. That's that's questions. That's questions that, that people have. It's unfortunate. But you're for raising raising the minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour. Why are we taxing people with tolls? I know toll tax, toll tax. People say, oh, it's just a tax, but people are going to have to come up with the money for tolls, and and they're already struggling as it is. What I said to you before, those two projects alone that are twelve billion dollars. Okay. The state we we can't not possibly do what we're doing now because the, the revenues have been relatively flat from the gas tax and the excise taxes and all those things, the fees that the truckers pay. The dollars are flat, and and if we don't, with three hundred deficient bridges, 
Wait, were any of you old enough to remember when Mianus River Bridge collapsed? I am. Um, I remember that. That was and, crazy. Yeah, that was in the that's 80, why we've got Joe. 80s. Yeah, well, that's good. We need, we need, them, <laughs> and I'm older than Joe, so, we, so it's a, I'm like dirt. So, 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 but I mean, what that will, what that does to a, a state and a community, I mean, ask the residents of Greenwich what it was like to have a major interstate highway, a, tra- a, a travelway between, you know, New York and Boston, having everybody that was heading, I think it was southbound, having to get off the highway and drive through Route 1. I mean, so, so to me, Am I sitting here being an alarmist telling you, oh my gosh, the bridge is going to fall down tomorrow if we don't do this? No, I'm not. I'm not like that. But what sure. I'm telling you is there are a lot of our bridge bridges in the state of Connecticut. And never mind, I told you about the 300-year-old bridges on, on the train tracks. There's, at least on, on a roadway bridge, if something, there's a way typically to get around it. Something happens on one of those railway bridges, what happens? Well, you had you had the bridge in Miami a couple of years yeah. ago that yeah. collapsed. I'm not, I'm not debating that, that there's plenty of infrastructure projects that need to get done mm-hmm. i guess it's just how to get there and whether you're you know so you know, so if we just if we just bond it and, and i don't think i said this if we just bond it those of us you live in mass so you don't have to worry about it but if we just bond it you and <laughs> you, you don't drive through connecticut and me, so you'll be fine we the, those of us that live here are the only people paying for it okay absolutely if we use the bonding plan that my friends on the other side of the aisle want the only people paying for it is connecticut residents if you use a tolling system Thirty-five. Uh, you know, some people have said forty percent of the revenue. I'll even go. I'll be more conservative. I know it might make people a little crazy knowing me, but say <laughs> say it's thirty to thirty-five percent. But out-of-state people are now participating in it because when you're driving from New York to Boston, what are the odds that people are stopping and getting gas in Connecticut and helping contribute? Small. Some do, but the majority of people can fill up before they leave home and not ever have to stop in Connecticut. They might stop and get a burger somewhere, but the majority of people are driving through and not participating at all. And I and I think um, if if we go the way we're going now, it's just us paying for it. And again, if if it doesn't pass, it doesn't pass, and that's what we're going to have to continue to do. But it is going to put a crimp on everything else that we do to help our local property taxes stay, you know, in the flatter area. If it's going to pass, I'd like to see it pass by representatives and not kick it over to a committee to then rule on and say, oh well, you know. Yeah. Whatever they decide, those hands are tied. So we're, we're, we're looking at that. And I, I was at a press conference with Governor Lamont. And he, he basically said, um, you know, it's going to have to come through us. The Transportation Committee is going to have going to have a role with it. And I agree with you. There was one one of the concepts was to have uh, an authority, a turnpike authority like Massachusetts does, which sets everything. Um, you know, so uh, I don't know that that's going to have enough support to pass. Where do you stand on legalizing marijuana in Connecticut? What's the benefit and what do you see as maybe the biggest downfall? Um, you know, I, I, I've said that I will support it. Uh, we had a little bit of conversation earlier as a, as a dad, you know, of, of three kids and a grandfather. I, I don't it's not my wish that, I, you know, that my kids are sitting around getting stoned all day. But I'm not naive. I understand that uh, it's it's all around us. If somebody wants it, any one of us in this room, our kids, if they want it, they can get it. And I say, at least I want it to be regulated, much like alcohol is, because kids kids find a way. Um, and if it's highly regulated, which my friends that have been to Massachusetts say it's amazingly uh, regulated and, and above board. And um, I, I think I'd rather at least know that the people that are smoking pot are not getting it on the streets, are not getting stuff that's laced. Uh, We just saw a case where, uh, I think in New Haven, where they found a bunch of pot laced with fentanyl. 
Um, you know, that concerns the daylights out of me because young people are curious in nature and sometimes try stuff and, you know, you do something like that one time and you're gone. And that's a horrible thing to think about. But again, it's geared towards adults. Adults are the only ones, you know, that are going to have the opportunity. I think the, the bills we're looking at will not even allow you to cultivate your own, where in some other places wow. they allow people to cultivate their own. You live in Massachusetts, Eric. Ha- yeah. Has it has it been a horrible problem? Is there an uptick in crime? Is there riots in the streets because of the marijuana legalization? Not that I can say personally. Oh. Um, I can say this. Being legal in Massachusetts, the area that I lived in Massachusetts Legal or not, people did not have a hard time getting it. So you're going to get it when you get it, like Russ was saying. You know, if you want it, you can find it. You'll get it. So why not just legalize it and make money off of it? And and to that point, and one of the things that I hear a lot is, oh, uh, you know, people freaking out about how easy it is to to get. But people are smoking it regardless. So right. if you can make some money off of and, and take it off the street and make mm. some money and regulate it, maybe you can put that into infrastructure. You could do whatever you want well, or education, yeah. what, yes. whatever it is. I mean, I mean, uh, there's there's areas where you can oh, use absolutely, an influx absolutely, of cash. Yeah. One of the parts of that piece of legislation, too, is and I think I think it's it's uh, I, 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 might, I don't know if we said on the air, but nothing is as easy as you might think it is. And it, we make it a lot more difficult. But having some of the discussions, look at the makeup of the General Assembly. There's 151 of us representing the poorest of the poor, the richest of the rich, and everybody in between. So what might be a common sense thing for us in the room, like-minded people or somewhat like-minded people, you know, there's people that have a different take. And the people that represent the urban centers are really upset uh, about all their, their folks that are in jail now for mm-hmm. marijuana violations. Nonviolent, nonviolent right. marijuana Correct. offenses. Correct, yeah. and they're saying we want some, we want you, we want that to 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 go away. We want their records to be expunged, and that's that's going to be a big discussion on it, because to get anything passed in the House, you need seventy six people. Right. So it'll be it'll be quite a discussion. Russ Boren is deputy speaker of the Connecticut uh, legislature. Uh, we want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, you know, uh, we talked about obviously the strike first things first there at Stop and Shop. You are definitely uh, a, a man with with labor on your mind. Um, work for the DOT. Yep. Uh, work zone safety. I know that's something very near and dear to your heart. You yep. know, it's a shame we we lose people. Seems every year yep. up on the highways, uh, and you're working on something to alleviate that yeah th- thanks for bringing that up that's something um that's been very important to me you know when you look at uh, people that work on the highways the dot workers um state police uh, there's there's not enough uh, ability to have police on every dot job you know when they're out patching potholes fixing guide rails construction projects get a police presence because it's built into the contract the people that do dot work maintenance and such there is a program called Big Orange, but there's just not enough troopers and there's not enough money to, to have people out there. So we put in, uh, I sponsored a, a piece of legislation this year that will allow f- for a camera system to be put in place to check the speed of people going through. And if they go, uh, and again, it's it's still, uh, it's not really to my liking this part of it, but to get something passed, I'm willing to look at it. 10 miles over the speed limit um, will we'll get you a ticket. And the, the troopers backed off on their opposition to it because uh, it'll all have to be reviewed by troopers before anything can happen. Um, again, we want to educate. I don't want there to be any tickets written. The Part of the bill states that there has to be an education component where, you know, you're letting people know that this is coming. There's going to be a signage saying, listen, you're being, there are cameras on site. You will be ticketed. 
we want people to just pay attention. I can't tell you how many times I go through a work zone and people are driving um, and they have their phones in front of them. And, you know, to those men and women that are doing that job, you know, they want to go home to their families just like we do. And, and so I've always been, that's always been something that's been important to me. Did they release a new mascot, the slow down oh, Sam? Oh, I can't, well, you had to go there, didn't you? <laughs> you you just there. had to go there. Yeah, I, I saw it um, standing right next to the lieutenant governor and I was Perfect. speechless. There you go. How much did that cost? I, you know, uh, I, I know the people over there that do that work and I haven't had a chance to talk to them, but. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're going to have to Google it now. That's fine. I'll let you off the hook on Thanks, that one. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I know you're working on one more thing. And, and, and uh, again, it, it might not be something that people even associate with Connecticut or think it's a problem, but it's a problem in all 50 states and all around the world. And that's human trafficking. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, a guy I went to graduate from high school, Ray Bouchard, wrote a book about the Berlin Turnpike and the trafficking that's gone on there. And I've had a chance. I met a young woman uh, who had been trafficked. She was sold by her aunt when she was a teenager to to a pimp who plied her with drugs and made her do horrible things. And I had uh, really the honor of meeting her and hearing her story firsthand. And she came and testified on one of the bills we've done. And, you know, people that live in suburbia especially don't want to even think about things like this. But it happens. It happens to our kids. There was a there was a, we had a chance to talk about uh, two young women from East Hartford that would get taken out in the day from school. That's crazy. And wow. and you know you just That's saw crazy. the story in the press today about the young men that were in the DCF system that were trafficked to prominent businessmen. I mean that's. That's us. That's our neighborhood. Well, and I think that's just it. People have this idea, oh, it's not happening here. No, it is. It is. You read the paper. It is. And and so this we've done some legislation to um in the past that has had uh that places like walk-in clinics, um, doctors' offices, hotel workers have to get trained and there have to there has to be signage. This isn't earth-shattering stuff, but it, what it does is it, it it gives people that are being trafficked if they're going in. Medical providers have a number to give them to call. And what we're doing now is trying to get this year, we're trying to get something in the curriculum. It's not going to, it's part of the health class that many of our kids in high school take to talk to them about it, make them aware of the things that are out there, the bad things that are out there. So to me, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear about any of our children. You know, it's disgusting to me when and the only reason I got involved is because I knew Ray from high school. Class of 79, right? We started talking. I read his book, and, and, and it's like, that happens here. And, and I went out uh, one night. I went out with a guy who's a private detective. He took me and another state rep, Michelle Cook from Torrington, who's been instrumental in helping me get this uh, legislation passed. And we, we took a drive around. It was, uh, I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning, and showing us the places that young women are, are and men are being uh, pimped out and different types of clubs that are there that – People that we probably know are frequenting. It's very powerful stuff. And, and you know, the police will say, you know, there's, there's not enough police and they're not going to do anything. You know, these are, there's a lot of very prominent people that are involved in this. It's our job to protect kids. So I'm actually working on another podcast that's investigating a missing persons case. <laughs> and we've come across what appears to be a human trafficking ring that was occurring in Wallingford. And... You know, it, it's it, it happens. And, and as you said, these are these are our neighbors, both the people participating and the people being forced to. Yep. And something's got to be done about it. So kudos mm -hmm. to you uh, on on uh, on leading the charge on that.
I want to ask you one more thing. I asked Leo Paul this last week. He was completely adamantly opposed. I read somewhere that the highest tax rate in Connecticut for people making over $500,000 a million, uh, it's right now at 699 mm-hmm. that by bumping it up to 8.74, as New York and New Jersey do, mm-hmm. that would probably eliminate the need for tolls completely and would make up enough of the deficit that that would alleviate the problem. I know Governor Lamont isn't even interested in taxing his buddies at the country club. You know I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't what are the, tell. One of the few things that you and I disagree on, Russ. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I just something about that guy. Yeah, I get it. I, and I don't like the other guy either. I went with the with the independent who didn't muster nothing. Unfortunately, you went with Oz. I did. Oh man, I really liked the guy. I just there was. Yeah. I, so it makes it great, isn't to it? To me, everybody <laughs> complains about there never being a viable third party guy. Yeah. I felt he was viable. Smart man. I, I liked Oz. I got along with him. And uh, yeah, so so uh, what what about that? Uh, you know, I, again, I think that's something Democrats are fans of. Tax the rich a little bit more. It's as I, as I said before, you have to get seventy six people to support something, and and uh, eighteen in the Senate with if the lieutenant governor is breaking the tie, and if if you're doing something that the governor doesn't like. Lieutenant Governor's not. If it's a tie, Lieutenant Governor won't be voting with you. Um, it, it's really, it's really that. Um, if you could see the the lobby that comes at us whenever we talk about something like that, people are saying you're going to drive those rich people right out, and they're they're taking their money. They're they can move. They can they can go to places with lower taxes and still, you know, do whatever they're doing from up here. That's always the argument. Maybe that's, a non-donor state. Whether look, that's the argument. Whether it's valid or not, that's what they say. That's the argument, and I hate it because I <laughs> I, I know who's moving to North and South yeah. Carolina and Florida, and it's not the rich people. It's it's my friends and neighbors. There have been we we look. We all know that Connecticut is one of the few states that's seen a population decline. Mm-hmm. People getting at it's not the rich. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it, as much as people want to talk about the, the job that that. Uh, uh, why am I totally drawing a blank on the the previous governor? Malloy. Oh Malloy. my goodness gracious, uh, uh, Dan Malloy! You've already it's burned from it's your brain. Yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> it's I got a, I got it's ready a blank quick. spot. You know, there's more Fortune 500 companies headquartered in Connecticut now than before Malloy, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't think that based mm-hmm. on his policies. There's more billionaires in this state than there were before Malloy took office. So I don't buy mm-hmm. that. There was a time, Russ, in my life where I I believed that kind of nonsense. I know better now. That's not who's leaving the state. They're not going to put their Greenwich mansions up and their Fairfield mansions up and and move somewhere else because they're paying a little bit more. I just don't believe that, and I really think that I would love to see Governor Lamont get behind an idea like that. That's in Hartford or Caracas, Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, it, so so the governor and and you know he's I'll give him this. He's he's. I've I've spoken to him personally more in this short period of time than I did with eight years with Governor Malloy. Um, you know, just he's a different type of guy. You can he's approachable. He's uh, Malloy was a really smart guy. He was a really hardworking I've guy. I've heard that from Republicans. That guy, whether that you like him, is is definitely yeah. down for talking. And right. I I do respect that. You know, about so him. but Malloy, a lot of people hated Malloy, but I, I'll say this: the guy worked and he was engaged. And you know, the the thing was, he was like he had the mayor mentality. You know. It's my way, right? I'm. This is the way I want to do it. Didn't work necessarily for me, but I get it. Um, Lamont's more trying to be more of a consensus builder. I think he's going to have some problems with that because, listen, the Republicans right now are not interested at all. They're, they just are beating the hell out of this on everything. doesn't matter what it is. 
and you know it's it's what they think they need to do to get back in 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 power um but you're right uh, Ned Lamont does not want to raise taxes on the wealthy he does not and we've had those discussions I um I'll be meeting with him probably later this week I scheduled a meeting to sit down and talk to him about a bunch of things just to hear what you know try to understand where he's coming from again he's a different guy than me I'm throw a, it out there right? for me, though, would you? Yeah, I didn't vote for Lamont, but he he's got a thankless job. I mean, he's got to clean yeah. up the mess, and I I, I get that. You know, how and, do you, how do you do it? But he's he's willing, like almost to a fault. I think he's he really because he's a businessman. He wants he's he wants to make the deal. He wants to create the deal. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like I'm not saying he's trying to do some shady deal. I'm saying the guy wants people in the room. He wants to hear their ideas. He wants to to to. He's trying to to get a bunch of people together. It's like herding cats. I mean, even amongst the Democrats, you have a great faction of very progressive liberal Democrats and very uh, right-leaning Democrats that, that live out in, you know, different parts of the state. It's, we're even amongst ourselves, sometimes it's hard to get consensus. See, when I hear businessman trying to make the deal yeah. politician, I get worried because we've seen it. We've seen it in our nation's capital, and that that hasn't gone over well. Yeah, but Ned's not a tweeter, so I, I, I feel more, <laughs> I, 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 as long I, as we keep him off yeah, Twitter. Yeah, he's a he's he's actually a decent guy, and I, and I like I, I really just like the ability to talk to him about stuff, and even if you know he'll at least listen to you. Time will tell. I, I'm uh, I I always said even, and I, I've been proven wrong, but even when the guy got elected to be our president, I said, well, he's our president for four years, so let's. Let's give him a chance. Let's hope that he does a good job. I, I've been seriously disappointed. Not because it's a Republican. Right. Um, I just think he's a bad human being. <laughs> There's plenty of other reasons but, to be but, disappointed. But um, like when George W. Bush was president, I didn't really like George W. Bush, but I didn't get the sense he was a bad guy. I think he, he I believe, I thought he was trying to do what he thought was best. I respect that. doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Right. But I didn't get the sense that he was like a bad guy. This guy, I just, uh, if we disagree on something, Based on facts, that's what made this country, right? Yep. We don't all have to agree on stuff. But when people can throw misinformation, and I'll say lies, I'll say that word, and and sit there and just say it over and over again and, and believe in it and, and incite people on that, I find that I find that to be disgusting. How do you even negotiate when we you can't agree on what, what is correct. factual? <laughs> correct. But we don't even do – we do a horrible job, you know, and they're trying to – we try to do – different and I'm, I'm old right so like they're trying to get me to do stuff like you know they want me to do facebook live all the time and different things and i'm like will you leave me alone <laughs> you know uh, you know I, I i get out there i'm i'm a, you know i'm around town i try to talk i'll talk to any i host uh i host coffees i host evening meetings where people can come and talk to me about different things i went to a meeting the other day about the youthful offenders and the and the rash of um car break-ins which is a real problem they want us to be out there more talking about what I shared with you today. That's something that they want all of us to do because it's easier. Anger sells, right? Mm -hmm. You see a group of people out there yelling, making noise about something. Somebody's taking their picture. If I'm sitting at a coffee shop talking to you and your wife and a couple other people and we're talking about something that's important, nobody cares about that. There's no headline there. Yeah. yeah. But angry people with signs, right? Remember the women's marches? Yep. Yeah. All those people in Hartford? Oh, got plenty of press, right? Yes, sure did. Well, I think coming onto our podcast is a great way to boost your socials and your yeah. your uh, your media presence. So I appreciate. Well, you here we go. In. Thank you. 
Thank you, because nobody knows who I am. State Representative <laughs> Russ Morn, he's one of the good guys, Deputy Speaker, proudly serving all the wonderful people, including myself, in Weathersfield. Russ, thank you for all that you do. Uh, you, you've already got my vote locked in for, for the next election, just so you know. <laughs> um, if it was only that easy. I Jeff. know, right? <laughs> Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Divided We Stand. Uh, Thank thank you for asking me. I I had a blast. Well, we'll have to have you back again soon. Ask again. Awesome. Bye, guys. A very big thank you to State Rep. Russ Morin, Deputy Speaker of the Connecticut Legislature. He's a good man doing a lot of great things here for the people of Connecticut. Uh, Something he wouldn't do, something Donald Trump reportedly has done, is... Uh, use, again, his position to try to get his way on something. Apparently, President Trump told the Customs and Border Protection Commissioner that he would give him a pardon if he was sent to jail for having border agents block asylum seekers from entering the United States in defiance of U.S. law. Hmm. And uh, this happened about a week ago. It seems like a green light. Yes. Uh <laughs> No one knows if Trump was just sort of joking because we know Trump's kind of been offering pardons to people in some of the many investigations that he is under. The guy's like, hey, Trump, do you have any referrals? He's like, I don't know. Talk to Sheriff Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Two officials that were briefed on the exchange say the president told him, uh, and he's now since been named the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, he would pardon him if he ever went to jail for denying U.S. entry to migrants. Uh, as one of the officials paraphrased it. Uh, The president is basically asking the head of Homeland Security, as of right now, until we get an actual official in there, to violate the law. Uh, Donald Trump very hilariously last week stated that we're all booked up here. There are no more rooms at the end. We are at 100% capacity when it comes to taking in immigrants and refugees. There's just no more room at the end. We're, sa- we're tapped. And then he said, uh, take our country back. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled <laughs> masses, I think. No, no, oh, I don't think that was the same speech. That's a different, different one. Oh. This is problematic when the president of the United States, you bring up Joe Arpaio, I mean, he and he did pardon Joe. Right. And... Uh, that's that's not good. This is a president already under investigation for having his nearly entire campaign break the law. Yeah. We've seen indictments. We've seen people already serve and be released from prison in the case. Here he is openly telling the head of a Homeland Security, break the law. And we don't know if it's a joke. We don't know. Which, when you're, when you're in that position of power, you really don't want to joke around with things like that because maybe he doesn't think it's a joke and he says all right let's do it yeah look it comes across every very authoritarianistic and and we certainly i think i'd like to think that we're all on the same page when it comes to that 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 we got to rein this guy in a little bit And again i'd love to see a, a person like a mitch mcconnell speak out and be like no like you can't do that just just <laughs> Just somebody That's nice. Just That'd be somebody great to see. just I'd somebody to assuring the country that while this guy just kind of makes it up as he goes along, that no, 
if you really did that, I would do something about it. I would if Mitch McConnell did that again, he could sort of win back my support. I'm trying to see from here. I can't quite see out the window, Joe, but is it sunshine and rainbows out there? Because I'm I'm looking. I'm looking and I don't see it. You're waiting for Mitch McConnell to be like, you know what? Let me do the right thing. That's exactly <laughs> how he would say it too. Well, well, well the mob mentality. Look. <laughs> <laughs> I, this, you know, this might be the worst thing that the president did last week. And and that's speaking volumes of what we know of. True. <laughs> Overall, not a terrible week for the president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, we alluded to this in the open. We really got to get into this. Uh, a Kentucky congressman with two different engineering degrees from MIT, two dozen patents to his name, by the way, Dubbed the whiz kid after he developed technology which enabled people to interact with computers using their sense of touch. Not after his stint with the 1950s Philadelphia Phillies. Rep Thomas Massey's reputation as a genius took a serious hit when he went toe-to-toe with former Secretary of State John Kerry at a House committee hearing on the dangers of climate change. Uh, Massey apparently thought he could discredit Kerry by getting the former senator to admit that he has. Yes, wait for it. A political science degree from Yale University. What a loser. That was unbelievable. That Mike, was just unbelievable. The, that whole exchange. We're just like, what What am I watching? We've seen a lot of this lately from the Republicans where it, this whole thing's almost a joke to them. Just a complete joke. Uh, I think on last week's show or the show before that, there uh, again, we had a situation where there was a, a Republican congressperson talking nonsense i understand that that that, that they're not they, they're not fans of the climate change and and, and it's going to cut into big businesses profits and you know they won't be able to continue poisoning the water and the food and and that that sucks but come on how does that help their argument you sound like a dumb person the guy went to mit yes went to mit graduated with a bachelor's of science and engineering and and i called him a scientist earlier he's not a scientist he's an engineer but you need math and science you, you know what science is this guy clearly knows better so why 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 do they continue to perpetuate this nonsense i just don't understand it again are you trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator are the republicans looking at their base and going these people are all stupid let's dumb it down i feel like they kind of are we say that on this show a lot shots we talk about like well we say it with trump it's the base it used you know you Brian, you said his supporters aren't going anywhere. They're not. They're not. And they don't care. And they're like, yep, whatever. It's sad. It's really, it is <laughs> it sad. It makes me sad and depressed. I, I, I find myself talking to Trump supporters because they're good. They are fine people. They really are. And, and we talk about things like this. And like they do. I know they know better. But because they're not forced to think about it, they can dismiss this whole thing. Massey was reelected in 2018 with 62% of his district. He's not going anywhere. He knows where his bread is buttered. And if it's going to be like, oh, I hate the APA. Oh, climate change. What a bunch of leftist media garbage. And that that just, it's awful. It's just awful that, that a guy like that can stay and hang out and be a part of the conversation. Like, if you can't agree on... The fact that political science doesn't make you a scientist and you're doing this in house testimony. Bye. 
Look, See ya. It, it, to me, it's one thing Next. to be out on the campaign trail. And again, this isn't even just a Donald Trump thing. But if you're on the campaign trail, you've got a rally going. You're going to talk some junk. You're going to embellish things a little bit. I get that. But when when you're in the Capitol and you're debating legislation or you're conducting testimony with a former official and you're treating it as John Kerry summed it up perfectly. Is this serious? Secretary of State joke. Is this a joke? And and to me, and, and, and this is where my frustration with the Republican Party. And again, I've never donated money to the Democrats ever in my life. I've donated plenty of money to the Republicans in my lifetime. Okay, just know where I stand. To see the party I used to give money to treat this like a joke is extremely disappointing. That's not to give kudos to the Democrats. I'm not because not for nothing. They they couldn't they couldn't even turn this disaster into an opportunity to make themselves look better. Yeah. Massey right. went so far as to claim victory after the exchange because he got carried to admit. Because he yelled, he yelled it louder. Than he got him to else. admit that he doesn't have a science degree, and that was the whole. That was the whole point of this nonsense. A victory of what though? <laughs> like what? what beat, what's even the, the Democrat? Argument? He beat the Democrat. That's all he had to do. Correct me if I'm wrong, Eric. And and again, I don't want to. I, I hate to do this to you, but you read some of that stuff. Yeah. Disclaimer. It's a they're they're the the right wing media is a big fan of owning the libs. They do. It's right. A, it's a one up spin game. That's all sure. it is. That's what it's. This is this whole thing is turned into that. And they're to me, they're just they're better at it. Like you don't want to get caught up in that stuff, but they are. They're absolutely better at it because, you know, I mean, I. They just have a way of forcing themselves in the argument, and then, like Brian said, they if they say it loud enough, they've got enough support that people will just go along with it. They're not going to convince anyone to join them necessarily, but they're definitely speaking to the people that they already have, and it seems to be that's all that matters right now. And They, can, they don't need to get new voters. They can throw Tucker Carlson up there and then Hannity afterwards, and then you, know, you can ask questions. Like, oh, wow. That is... Misleading. It's stunning. What's going because on? Because when you talk about right wing media, it pretty much starts with Fox News. You got uh, the, totally the blaze. The blaze. No, the, well, and, and certainly the blaze is a good one. Breitbart. You, and as, as I say these names, you start getting more right. Right. The Daily right. Caller. Daily Wire. Daily Wire. Daily Caller. Daily, Daily Caller is different. Daily anything yes. after it Very is different. typically <laughs> bad news. <laughs> and and if you're on the left, you're not going to like that stuff. Uh, the Freedom Patriot. There's a lot of those. Any sort of a patriot freedom or daily something is generally uh, you you just start to really get very far right, but. My favorite. Is- I, I just think we need to raise the standards, and and I don't because there's so much more liberal media than there is conservative media, at least on the mainstream level. That it, it's stunning. It's stunning to me that people would think that like that CNN and CBS and and MSNBC and ABC and the AP and st- the C like they're they're all faking it. They're all just making it up, and people truly believe that who watch Fox. They're convinced of that because the people who work at those uh, those entities, that's the stuff they're telling these folks. My favorite, and I guess I'll call it like a media dog whistle, is whenever you have somebody like Tucker Carlson 
tell you what Democrats are thinking. Or you have somebody like <laughs> Lawrence O'Donnell tell you what the Republicans are thinking. I'm just like, I'm tuned out to everything you have to say. I, that's a lie. I watch it. and just like, I what? A, I used to be a very big cable news watcher. All of them. Sometimes it was more Fox. Sometimes more CNN. But now I have a hard time watching any of it. Because it all kind of does the same thing. Listen, if you're not listening between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., if you're listening to anything outside of that, you're not getting news. 11 you o'clock are getting... on Fox, they do, they do hard news. Shannon Bremen, it's not bad. I got to say, it's really not bad. For the most part, if you're not listening between 10 a.m. and 7 p.m., you're not getting news. You're getting opinion. Right. You're getting slanted information. You're getting, you know, I, I remember during the Comey uh, the Comey testimony, Fox didn't even carry that live. Who's that? Is that the same as Lion James Comey? Lion James oh, Comey. You'll remember. It. Got it. Fox wasn't even Makes running sense. that stuff. Yep. Yep. They didn't want people to know that was even happening. Border crisis stuff? Well, yeah, there's yeah. caravans coming. They'll be here in a month. What's we, really important? Round the clock <laughs> coverage on that. Something about uh, limited, limited edition, limited collection silver dollars, I think. <laughs> There is a lot of that, isn't there? there? William Devane. These people gold and silver. These people really want to commemorate. <laughs> they yeah. want to commemorate yeah. a lot of things. Oh. I suppose it's it better if it's coins than Confederate monuments. All right. We could uh, go, go on. Yes, we certainly could for a really long time. Make sure you like us on Facebook, Divided We Stand. You can also follow us on Twitter at DWS News Hour. We'll be back next week for Brian Forster and Eric Farron. I'm Joe McGuire. Thanks so much for listening to Divided We Stand.